0: Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
1: I guess everyone has heard about a Craigslist horror story, but no one expects to end up in one. I'd been thinking about leaving the city life behind for a while now. I guess I couldn't stand the bustle of the city anymore and longed for a more remote life. I'd saved up quite a bit of money over the years and decided to buy a house. When I saw the prices, though, my jaw dropped. I'd expected that buying a house was expensive, but I'd never thought that expensive. In my desperation, I opened Craigslist. I didn't expect to find anything there, but that's exactly what I did. The ad was as simple as it could be. Small house for sale, way below market value. I clicked on it in an instant. When I saw the price, though, I was sure the seller had made a mistake. There was no way someone would sell a house that cheap. The place looked decent from what I saw in the pictures. Eventually, I found the seller's phone number and called him. I honestly expected the price to be a mistake. Hell, maybe it was all a scam. Instead, I found myself on a call with a man named Wilbert Johnson. When he told me the place was still available, the first thing I asked about was the price. The old man assured me there was no mistake. It was an old house, he said, in the middle of nowhere, and he wanted to get the sale over with as soon as possible. There was a catch, though. He wanted the payment in cash only because he didn't trust the banks or any of the real estate agents. Some other people had shown interest before me, he said, but they'd all gotten cold feet at the mention of this. I didn't see a problem with it. Hell, things would be way quicker that way. I guess that was my first mistake. To make a long story short, a week later, on a Saturday morning, I found myself on the three-hour drive to Old Wilbert's house which i hoped would soon be mine when i arrived the old man greeted me with a bright smile he was a sturdy hard man in his late 50s from what i could tell you mark he asked as he reached out to greet me i nodded yes sir well that's the place he said and stepped aside to allow me a better view of the small house i had a look around for a bit before i stepped inside The moment I did, the old floorboards welcomed me with a loud creak. The moment it happened, an anxious expression washed over the man's face. "'Guess you were right,' I said, laughing. "'The place is pretty old. It sure has character, though.' When he heard that relief flooded over his face and his smile returned, "'Oh, that it has. Been living here for over thirty-odd years. Now then, how come you're selling it that cheap?' The old man was quiet for a bit. His eyes wandered for a bit before he sighed. Tell you what, there's no reason to keep it to myself. It's because of Lisa's disappearance. Lisa. Another sigh followed. My wife, Elizabeth. Been almost two months now since she vanished. Walked right out that door over there and never returned. No one's seen her, no one's heard a thing. Just like that, vanished without a trace. Shit, I'm so sorry. I'd no idea. Nothing to do with you, he cut me off. Did everything I could, talked to the neighbors, then the cops. Hell, they searched half the damned county, but they found nothing. I kept searching, but by now. His voice trailed off as he shook his head. Can't keep living here. Everything reminds me of her. That painting over there, she drew it a good twenty years ago. See that tablecloth? She bought it at a flea market a couple of years back. Isn't it beautiful, Wilbert? she asked. Been stuck with the ugly thing ever since. Whenever I see it, I can't help but wonder where she went and what happened to her. It's just too much, he broke up, his voice trailing off. I stood there, shuffling around, not sure what to say. I was never good at those things, people things, I mean. After a few moments, I opened my mouth when I heard something. It was a small, quiet sound like scratching. In a moment, old Wilbert stepped up to an old radio and turned it on. I stared at him as the music drowned out the sound. Sir, what are you? When he noticed my stares, he looked embarrassed and turned the radio back off again. Well, that's another reason the place is so cheap. So what's causing it? Ghosts. I stared at him, but his expression didn't change. I opened my mouth to inquire what the hell was up with that when he burst out laughing. Got him it. I'm pulling your leg. It's rodents. We've had problems with the damned beasts for half a decade now. Don't know where the buggers come from, but they sure are persistent. They're digging through the dirt outside and crawl into the walls. Never been able to figure out how they do it. Might as well be a cat in there too. Heard they sometimes crawl after mice or cat and end up getting stuck. I shrugged. Well, I planned on renovating the place anyway. Remember you telling me about that. I've got quite a bit of junk stored up. Been planning to give the place a good old once over myself, but with Lisa going missing and all that, I never had time to do it. With that, he led me to his garage and presented me with an assortment of tools and materials. Tell you what, I'll add all of it to the house for free. God knows I can't take it with me anyway, and I sure as hell won't need it anymore. Take it as an apology for not telling you about the rodents beforehand. I thanked the old man wholeheartedly. Looking at the amount of stuff here, I might well be looking at half a grand, hell, maybe even more. We talked more while the old man led me through the house. Here and there he stopped me and told me what sort of renovations he'd planned and gave me detailed advice start with the second floor, use this and that material, do this that way, and so on. It sounded like solid advice, and I could tell the old man knew what he was talking about. Once the tour was over, we shook on the sale, and I arranged to be back in a few days to finalize everything. The old man, in turn, told me he'd put together a little write-up of all his renovation advice. Once I was back, and I handed him the money, he sighed again. "'Guess there's one last thing I've got to tell you. "'This place, well, it's got a history.' "'I looked up. First the rodents, and now. "'What? "'It's probably all nonsense,' he started shaking his head. "'But Lisa always talked about that stuff. "'She said back in the day when folks still owned slaves, "'there's been a lynching out here. "'Never gave much of a damn about those old tales, but... "'This time I couldn't help but laugh.' Was he pulling my leg again? Tell you what, I never believed in any of it, but Lisa swore she heard wailing and crying in the middle of the night. To be honest, I think it's just those damned kids down by the creek. What kids? There's this old shack down by the creek, not too far from here. Some local kids, teenagers mostly, hang out there, getting drunk and causing all kinds of trouble during the night. Well, it doesn't sound like anything I can't handle." It was a few minutes later that we shock on the deal. The old man handed me his notes and told me he'd written down his phone number. If I had questions about the renovations, I should call him. Once he'd driven off, I stared at what would be my new home. Quite the place, I thought. Sure, I'd have to put in quite a bit of work, but there was no way I'd get a cheap property anywhere. For the first couple of nights, I didn't sleep in the place. There was still all the old man's furniture in there. No, to feel comfortable here, I'd have to get rid of his stuff first. To be honest, it felt weird, disposing of someone's entire life and memories like that. Even worse was the damned scratching. It was there again and again. Sometimes it was quiet, sometimes it was more frantic. Maybe there really was a cat stuck somewhere. I shuddered a bit. I liked cats and I didn't want to think about one of them suffocating in my walls. The next day my friend Mike arrived. I had told him about the house I was buying and he said he'd be happy to help me out with the renovations. To be honest, I think he wanted to get away from his wife and kids for a bit. Do some good old handiwork and share a couple of cool ones with an old buddy. Well, it's quite the place. You really got it that cheap. Yeah, it's because the place is haunted and there are mice in the walls and rats and cats. Mike gave me a weird look. Come on in, I tell you all about it over a beer or two. As the two of us sat on the floor in what would one day be my kitchen, I told him all about old Wilbert and the stories he'd told me. As if to prove that I wasn't bullshitting him, the frantic scratching started again for a moment. He listened intently. Doesn't sound like mice to me. Could be rats, though. We're better of getting some poison or call an exterminator. I considered it for a moment, but then I shook my head. If we get an exterminator, they will cover the entire place in chemicals or God knows what. I'd rather get started on the renovations. Mike shrugged. Well, I warned you, don't blame me if we find some giant rat colony in one of the walls here. We shared another beer before we started on the work. There was a lot to do. The floorboards were old and rotten in many places. The wallpaper was stained and old-fashioned, and some partition walls had to go, I decided. Either way, we had a busy few days ahead of us, hell, maybe even a week. It wasn't long before we retorted to the old man's method of turning on the radio. The scratching, while quiet, was still somewhat distracting. Mike and I made some decent progress the first day. At first, he wanted to get himself a hotel room in the nearby town, but after a bit of back and forth, he agreed to stay. We spent the evenings talking about old stories from high school and college, and often Mike would tell me about his wife and kids. As much as he told me he was happy to have some time away, I could tell he missed them already. During our third night at the place, he woke me up in the middle of the night. Dude, you hearing this? He asked me in a quiet, hushed voice. As I listened, I could hear the scratching, but there was something else. It was quiet, coming from quite a distance, but I was sure I heard it. It sounded as if someone was wailing or crying. I thought back to the old man's story about the lynching and what his wife had heard. Then I shook my head and remembered what he'd told me about the kids out here. Probably some drunk kids around. The old dude told me they're gathering down by the creek to get drunk. Maybe they thought it was fun to mess with the new guy. Mike nodded, but he still looked unnerved. Yeah, guess you're right. Want to go out and teach them a lesson. I laughed but shook my head. There was no way I'd go out in the middle of the night to chase some teenagers. I also didn't want to become known as the local crazy guy. Eventually, we got back to sleep. Still, somehow my mind lingered on the story. That scratching, that wailing, there was. Something about it that didn't seem to fit. The next day, busy with renovations again, I'd already pushed all those thoughts away. Guess that was my second mistake. We doubled down on our efforts. Me trying to find a hint of those damned rodents and Mike most likely wanting to get out of here. He'd always been the superstitious type. When the wailing started again on the fourth night, Mike told me he'd get a hotel room if it would persist. I retorted that it was those kids again, but this time he wouldn't have it. Yeah, so you're telling me there's some group of kids out there that got nothing better to do in the middle of the night, two times in a row? F-man, I don't know. Maybe it's a cat stuck somewhere. I sure as hell don't believe there are any freaking ghosts. Mike grunted but said nothing. For a while, I considered going out there to figure out who or what was causing it, but not long after I drifted off to sleep again. At this point, we were on the fifth day of renovations. The place was almost barren by now. We'd started on the upper floor first. After that, we'd taken down the partition walls and had stripped down the old wallpaper. Not knowing too much about renovations myself, i followed the old man's guidelines almost to the letter. That was my third mistake. So, what else do you want me to take care of? Well, you could clean the garage for starters, and that lawn looks like it hasn't been cut in months. All right, hilarious Mark, he said when he saw the enormous grin on my face. Tell you what, I started. How about we take a bit of a break for the rest of the day? Tomorrow we take care of the floorboards down here, and that's it. God knows those need to be replaced. As if to prove what I'd said, I switched my balance a bit, and the floorboards creaked in answer. Sounds good, but if we hear any weird noises again, I'm out of here. I sighed but nodded. Then I realized something. I had heard none of the scratching today. Maybe our ruckus had driven off whatever rodents had infested the place. I didn't know a damn thing about mice or rats. That night we sat together until long after midnight. I'd brought out my old laptop, and we spent the time with some old movies and a bottle of whiskey. Not a sound was heard all night. No more scratching and sure as hell no wailing. Told you there are no ghosts here, I slurred. Yeah, whatever, Mike said laughing. Taking care of the old floorboards was much tougher than I'd imagined, with a hangover, that is. Still, somehow we made decent enough progress, and by noon we were done with the first half of the house. Guess those rats really are gone, aren't they? I shrugged. Guess so, not a sound. To be honest, I half expected them to linger below those old boards. Sure hope they stay the hell away. We continued joking around and having a good time. It all changed when we found the basement. As we removed the floorboards in the old man's storage room, we stumbled upon an old hatch. Once our initial surprise was over, we pried it open, revealing a staircase. All right, man, what the hell? The basement, I guess, I said matter-of-factly. Yeah, I ain't blind, but why the hell's it hidden like that? Things still hadn't clicked. Who knows, maybe he just didn't use it. Hell, maybe it was infested by rodents, so he sealed it off. Yeah, or it's his secret serial killer basement. Dude, not funny, I cursed. All right, all right. You want to check it out? As I looked down the dark stairs that led, somewhere below a feeling of apprehension washed over me. I didn't feel so sure about my words anymore. Finally, I nodded. We each got a hold of a flashlight and started our descent. There was no light down there, and for a moment I half expected the old hatch to be thrown shut by no other than old Wilbert himself. Shit, man, this is creepy, I mumbled. Will you stop? I don't like this any more than you do. Once we'd made it down the stairs, we found ourselves in a small, damp room. It was empty. Small, isn't it? The entire basement was no bigger than one of the rooms above. Wasn't the basement usually the same size as the house? At least there are no rats, I said. Yeah, but this wall here's kind of weird. What do you mean? Well, he started. Look at the moss and the dirt on all the others. This one's different. Looks kinda new to me. Now that he'd said it, I noticed it too. Sure, the wall was as damp as the rest, but there was no moss on it or anything. I watched as Mike reached out his hand and knocked against the wall. What are you doing? I asked. SHH, he shushed me. He went to one of the other walls and knocked there,
0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the
1: world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Again, sounds hollow. We both stared at each other. You think that's where the rodents came from? A minute later, we were down there again, starting to tear down the wall. After a few heavy hits, the first of the bricks collapsed inwards. I instinctively took a step back, expecting rats or mice to pour from the hole, but there was nothing. We inched forward, peeking into the hole, and that's when we realized what this was, the second half of the basement. Mike had already gotten his flashlight and beamed inside. At first we saw nothing, but then we saw something on the floor. No, not something. There's someone inside, I pressed out. We redoubled our efforts, and soon we'd broken down enough of the wall to enter. The person inside had long gray hair, wore a dirty nightgown, and was female. The old woman's face was frozen into a mask of perpetual terror, and she was without a doubt dead. When I saw the long, bloody scratch marks all over the walls, it finally clicked. A moment later, I was back upstairs and called to police, telling them what I'd found. There was no need for them to tell me the woman's name. The moment I'd understood what was going on here, I knew who she was. It was Elizabeth Johnson, the old man's wife. I was absolutely strapped for cash. I mean, what more can I say? I had just gotten kicked out of my mother's house. Granted, I was 25 with no job. I was desperate for cash. I didn't want to be that guy working minimum wage jobs for the rest of his life. I didn't want to make enough to barely support myself. What was I to do? In hindsight, I probably should have just started there and worked my way up, like you know, a normal person. Well I decided I would do some freelancing. It paid pretty good and I could pick my own jobs. I felt pretty confident that I could make enough to start getting an actual education other than a high school diploma. What better place to look than on Craigslist, right? No, wrong. I did it anyways, though. One night while scrolling through the jobs section of Craigslist, I stumbled upon an ad for help tending a farm. It provided living quarters, free meals, and the best part money. The ad was written by a man who said he had inherited a farm, but he was getting too old to tend to the animals and crops as efficiently as he once used to. The pay was extremely good, and I had a place to stay basically rent-free. After about two hours of deliberation, I decided to go ahead and send him an email. I explained I only needed this temporarily, as I was saving money for school. I told him I could be a reliable worker, but only for six months. I didn't really expect an answer back, as he probably wanted something longer or more permanent. It only took about 15 minutes before I received a response. I sent the email at 2 a.m. I admit I was a little off-put by the speedy reply, especially since it was the middle of the night. I figured he'd be sleeping. Anyways, the email he sent was pretty short and to the point. He explained any help was good enough and said he'd be ready for my arrival the following day. He left the address and his phone number. The next morning I packed everything I wanted to take, told my mother I was leaving for a job, and I'd stay in contact, and headed out to the farm. When I arrived, he was nothing like I had imagined. He was tall and fairly overweight. He had a beard that wasn't quite full, but still enough to be called a beard, I guess. His eyes were dark, really dark. I could barely make out his pupils. Upon approaching him with my bags, he reached out to me. I dropped my bags and shook his hand. It felt forced. It wasn't a very friendly handshake. It was firm, almost gripping. He let go, and I felt my arm fall to my side. He asked me to hurry in, so I did. He quickly showed my to my room and asked if I could start right away. Flustered, I dropped my belongings in my room and threw my phone and keys on the bed. I quickly changed my pants into jeans and put on some old shoes. I walked out to the main hall. He stood there, almost mannequin-like. When we locked eyes, he started telling me my tasks. I was to tend to the field three times a day. He said he had plowed over the land to start anew. He was planting corn, and a lot of it. He claimed he was going to sell and distribute the corn to local grocery stores. I asked about the animals, and he said there were none. Before I could ask anything further, he cut me off and threw me a shovel. He asked me to fill in holes throughout the farm before he could till the land. I took the shovel and hurried out of the door. Staring at him was uncomfortable. I was tired. I had barely slept the night before. Hell, I had sent the email the night before. This all felt like a whirlwind, but all I thought about was the money. I knew in my gut this wasn't right, but I really, really needed this. The farm was huge. At the end of the field, you couldn't even see the house anymore. I know because I had to walk to the whole way through it to fill in holes. Holes I never found, by the way, until the edge of the farm. It was surrounded in thick forest. I knew it was a rural area, but I didn't realize the farm was basically a one-way-in, one-way-out kind of deal. The forest was dense, really dense. You'd get lost in a matter of seconds if you weren't paying attention. When I reached the very end of the farm, I noticed only one hole and about fourteen other already filled in holes. Why would he send me out here, over a mile away, to fill in one hole? I felt uneasy about the whole thing. As I started to fill in the hole, which was about ten feet deep, I couldn't stop glancing over at the already filled in disturbed ground. After I filled in about two feet worth of dirt, my curiosity got the best of me. I decided to dig into one of the already filed holes. These were not small holes. They were wide and about twelve feet in length. They were big enough to fit a deceased cow. Hell, maybe even two. I had already figured that's what the case was, considering there weren't any animals. I'm glad I went with my gut. It didn't take much digging to reach the first, well, weird object. It was a wallet. I picked it up and opened it, but it was completely empty. I tossed it to the side and kept digging. That's when I saw a hint of red fabric. I couldn't tell right away what it was. It could have been an animal wrapped in a blanket. It's safe to say I was heading into denial. It was only about four feet down when I discovered the body. Her body was in bad shape, but she wasn't decomposing. All of the trauma she went through was clear on her skin. I knelt down and felt her body. She was cold. I sat there for a couple minutes, just staring at her. Once I realized that her time of death had to be within the last 48 hours, I ran to the nearest tree and vomited. I didn't even bother filling in the hole I was supposed to, but I reburied the girl. Her body didn't deserve to be exposed like that. I threw the wallet into an entrance of the words near the graves. I figured the police would find it, even if he were to try and hide the bodies better. After that, I ran. I felt like an Olympic athlete. It was starting to get dark, and I had to make it back before then, or I'd be wandering around this field for hours. The last thing I wanted was to be hunted down like an animal in the pitch black. I knew that's what he was going to do. He knew filling the hole would have taken until dark. Once I reached the house, I finally stopped to catch my breath. I knew I had to remain composed, or he would know. I regulated my breathing and walked in. He was sitting at the dining table to the left of the house. I couldn't tell what he was doing, but once he heard me open the front door, his head swung around so fast I thought he'd snap his neck. He looked at me like a deer in the headlights. It was obvious he hadn't expected me back so soon. You're done? I could tell he was trying everything in his power to remain calm. I got sick. I had to come back. I'll go back out to finish it. I have to use the bathroom. I tried to sound as nonchalant as I could, but I knew he could tell I was lying. After looking at me up and down, he said, Okay then, get back to it. I want it done by tonight. I shook my head and hurried to my room. I took the clothes I had taken off when I arrived and shoved them into my suitcase. I was so happy I hadn't unpacked. I grabbed my phone, but my keys were gone. Frantic, I started looking for them as quietly as possible. He took them. I knew it. My original plan was to run in, grab my things, and book it the hell out of there, which is pretty hard to do with no keys. I sat on the bed for a moment. My phone had no signal, and I felt a sense of dread wash over me. I started going through my pictures. If I was going to die, I wanted to see my friends and family one more time. Even if it was just over a phone screen, it felt like enough. That's when I stumbled upon my 23rd birthday party, when my mother had gifted me my car as a present. I stood proudly by my car, with a set of keys in each hand. I had two sets of keys. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me earlier. I never used them, but I always carried them in case I locked myself out of my car. I unzipped my suitcase and pulled everything out of it. At the very bottom was my second set of keys. They must have been the first thing I threw in while packing. It was a mindless habit at that point, and in that moment I couldn't have been more proud of myself. I decided to say screw the clothes and grabbed my phone and the keys. I peeked out of the bedroom and walked to the bathroom. It wasn't hard to act ill because I was already nauseated from sheer terror and anxiety. I tried to make over-exaggerated gagging sounds i eventually threw up it wasn't my intention but it made it more realistic i rinsed out my mouth and stuffed my phone and keys into the side of my pants i made sure they weren't obvious and headed back out the main area still sitting at the dining table i told him i was ready to finish the work he nodded and i walked out i started walking toward the farm again because when i looked behind me he was watching me through the window i walked slow and once he wasn't watching anymore, I fled to my car. He heard my frantic running and bolted outside. By then I was already in my car and pulling out. He started to sprint full speed at my car, and I floored it. I heard two gunshots ring out, and I felt the slight impact as one of bullets shot through the passenger seat. I sped until I felt safe. It had taken me four hours to get there and about two to get home. I immediately went to my mother's and told her everything. Turns out there were 52 bodies discovered on the farmland when I reported what had happened to the authorities. They conducted a thorough search of the whole farm. Many missing persons' cases that went cold throughout the years were coming to light. The only thing they didn't find was him. I look every few months to see if they finally have a lead, but they never do. The name he had given me was fake, and the phone number was that of a burner phone. I didn't have any pictures of him. I described him to a sketch artist, and that was about it. Although I saw online that there's a farm on the west coast, pays well, living expenses taken care of, and free meals. It's run by some old man who says the work is just too much to handle by himself. It seems too good to be true. The similarities are eerie. I know you might need the money but I wouldn't go if I were you. So the setting is 2015, my sister and I are home alone watching Craigslist horror stories on YouTube. A bit ironic, I know. Now for reference, I was 13 while my sister was 17, and having these watch parties had become something of a habit as it was our last year together before she went off to college. We lived in a safe neighborhood, and nothing had ever really happened at that point that would give us any reason to be anxious about being alone. Anyways, time goes on and my sister suggests we order a pizza since she's starving. I'm not one to turn down a pizza, so I naturally agree and we place an order at a local pizza place. We continue watching our videos for another 15-20 minutes before I step out to use the restroom. Just then, I hear the doorbell ring followed by my sister getting up to go answer it, so I carry on with my business with the assumption it was just the pizza. I'd say only two minutes had passed as I come back and realize my sister was still at the door talking with someone. I couldn't really make out what was being said, but I knew it was definitely a man's voice responding to her. As I go to see what's going on, my sister promptly shuts the door, pizza in hand. I initially assumed maybe there was just an issue with the payment, so I just teased my sister for taking so long and go sit down. I know know who thought a 13-year-old boy could be an oblivious asshole. It didn't take long for me to realize, though, that my sister wasn't eating, despite this whole thing being her idea. And even more so, she had a very nervous look on her face now and wasn't speaking much. I asked her what was up, and she proceeds to tell me that when she opened the door to greet the pizza guy, he looked at her as if he was checking her out, and followed up by giving her the most unsettling smile she's ever seen. She was just trying to get the pizza and go as we had already paid online, but the creep insisted on trying to make conversation with her. The man pretended to fumble around trying to get the pizza box out of his bag all while asking very personal questions that he certainly had no business asking like how old she was and if she was alone. Now I admittedly thought she was just messing with me. I mean, stuff like that can never actually happen to people you know, right? But nevertheless, it still left me feeling a bit anxious. We tried to enjoy the food and move on, and I'd say about an hour or two later we had finally calmed down about the whole thing. Right as we were getting ready to clean up and go back to our own rooms, there's a knock at the door, a very loud and aggressive one at that. We share the same nervous look, then hesitantly slip over to a window to see if we can get a look at whoever's knocking. Now I hadn't seen the guy, but my sister immediately recognized him as the pizza guy from before. We were contemplating calling the police, but the guy only knocked once or twice more before getting in his car and taking off way too fast down the road, almost like he knew if he continued he was more than likely going to end up in a lot of trouble. We made a round around the house, making sure everything was locked up, and then waited for what felt like ages for our parents to finally get home. My sister told them about what happened, but our mom insisted we were just being dramatic, that we had just made ourselves nervous because of the videos we're always watching. While we both initially insisted on being serious, we eventually just gave up and tried to move on from the whole thing. We ordered from that place a few more times, but thankfully never saw that same delivery man again. Nothing else ever came of the situation, but I can't help but think about what could have happened if that creep had been just a bit more persistent. What if he had kept trying to get into the house? or if we had accidentally left the door unlocked. I think his intentions were obvious, and I can only hope that his behavior has caught up with him, and that he's somewhere getting the help that he most definitely needs. Edit. For those who may have read my other submission here, this encounter took place about a good year before that one, and is mostly why I refuse to ever bring that situation up with my family.